All right, folks. This is this is going to be extremely important um, because of in light of what has happened with Horizon Air, um, this has also been it's it's a huge huge um, topic, especially in the aviation industry. And it, it's it's we're gonna be talking about mental health. Um, and first and foremost, I'll be make it extremely clear. At least I I'm pro mental health. You need to take care of yourself first. Um, so. When I go through my little dissertation here about the aviation side, just keep that in mind. I am pro-health. Um, you, you need to be selfish. Take care of yourself first. What you just said always is one of the first things they teach you in EMT school. Mm-hmm. You always take care of number one. You're number one. Mm-hmm. So I also am a, believe that mental health should be addressed properly. Is there a proper way to do it? I don't know because it's been mental health has been around forever, mm-hmm. but was it the last 10 years, 20 yep. years? It started finally to emerge. Yep. Well, and I, I not emerge, but become more commonplace um, because like back, 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 like in the day, like pre probably around like antebellum. Uh, that means civil war era for you folks there. Uh, pre antebellum and antebellum. If you had a mental disorder, you were locked up in a, in a place where the public couldn't see you. Like the family put you somewhere because that's just how, and that's largely from the lack of understanding and the knowledge from about mental health issues, but that's how it used to be. So we evolved from that. And then Tommy, talk about growing up and your generation. Cause we're two, obviously two different generations, even though you and I click, like we grew up together. Um, it, it, how growing up, how was it in terms, how would you say that, mental health was viewed growing up even though my father never whacked me because mm-hmm. he's got these big construction mason <laughs> italian hands uh it was dealt with a lot different a lot of things like add adhd uh personality disorders they were usually fixed by a boot in the pants uh, yes you were so, punished to your room okay Things of that nature. Um, The only people that sought therapy, um, help from a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, had real deep-rooted problems. Spoken of openly. Okay. It was more of a – like a shameful – I don't want to say shameful, but – it Like, for lack of a better adjective – Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like no one in the family in my old neighborhood would admit that, you know, cousin so-and-so, he's not exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, even like I, I grew up in a very mixed cultured neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It was predominantly Italian American, but there was German and, mm-hmm. and like everybody. We had a melting pot. I mean, yeah. it's New York. It's New York, baby. That's it. And I remember family of my, friends of mine who had trouble admitting that grandma had dementia, which is a legitimate. Wow. It is. Yeah. But it was still, it wasn't ashamed. It was just not addressed. So it was out just, of sight, out of mind. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't something that's like, oh, yeah, you know, so and so's dementia is getting worse. It was just like nobody, nobody, if, even if they saw it, nobody would be like, hey, you got this. Right. And that and and that's actually a good way of describing what it was like prior to about a decade ago. Right. Where everything was if you had a mental health issue, 
the public didn't want to hear about it. It was just there was something wrong with you in the head is what they I remember people saying growing up. You know, there's something wrong with you up there, you know. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, Tommy, sorry, didn't mean to take us on a little tangent, but you have a unique perspective that I don't have about it. Um, but within the past decade, it has changed, right? To the point where it's not, I wouldn't say mainstream, but it is okay to be like, hey, I have a problem. I need help. Yeah, it's okay. It was okay 30 years ago too. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a generation that was going to accept it. Right, yeah. You know, and, a, yeah. You know, it's funny you say, oh, someone in the head, my generation called them head cases. Yeah, and, and but nowadays it's more of a, I feel like, and I think largely it has to do with the march of knowledge and just understanding the, the science behind it. Because there's a lot, we have a lot more science and research available to us nowadays than they did back when you were growing up. Oh, so, I think, uh, so I think that kind of also plays into it where the, the associated social uh, stigma isn't there, right? Because it's just – and it also shows – I don't want to say it, may, it normalizes it, but it just makes it okay to ask for help. Because like you said, growing up, it was just – it wasn't – it was out of sight, out of mind, right? Listen, um, everybody needs help at a certain point in their life. Yeah, and it's and that's and that's one thing that we're trying to emphasize too is just it's it's okay to not be okay. It, it, it's it, it's fine. Just get help, which we'll talk about a little more. But even more importantly, with especially with the stuff that you guys deal with as EMTs, as emergency workers, why don't you talk a little bit about mental health and being an EMT, Tommy? One of the hardest things to maintain as an EMT is your mental health. Um, there's basically no fam uh, work-life balance. Uh, you start out in the basement, work your way out, mandated overtime, regular overtime. Um, it's not what you see on TV. We do not save everybody's life in an hour. It just don't happen. That's not real. Causes PD PTSD, burnout, anxiety, depression, addiction, self-harming thoughts, which can lead down a very bad road. Balancing everything is difficult. Uh, as Bill had said, I come from a different generation, so I have a different coping mechanism. If there is anyone from an emergency services that is listening today, if you're feeling anything like that, I am urging you to reach out. There are programs that are specific to us. You're not going to deal with someone with a Harvard medical degree, I'm sorry, degree that has no idea what it is we do. There's the EMS helpline. There's safe call now. And the specifically that just targets first responders, not just EMTs, medics, police officers, troopers, flight medics, the pilots of the, of the aircraft, all of us. Because we're all in this together. The Code Green campaign. Please reach out to them. Um, what about that article? Uh, do you have any like stats or anything? Because I know you you had an article that you wanted to talk about um, with mental health in your in your career field, Tommy. Yes, I do have it right here. So a recent national survey of 2,700 EMTs and paramedics, solely EMTs and par paramedics, 23.5%. EMTs, about 20% of the medics reported they're going to leave EMS because of the mental stresses of the job. If there are any first responders or anyone for that matter, 
Uh, you could look at Bill and I bio. We have our business uh, emails in there. Yep. If you don't want to be in live chat saying something, look at my bio, TikTok and YouTube. I have an email address. Oh, we do have business emails. Uh, mine is captainbillofficial at gmail.com. Tommy has at level flight simulations at gmail.com. If you're a first responder, you can totally reach out to him. Pilots, I'll get over, I'll, I will go over my dissertation, certain things that you, that are resources available to you. Um, because if you email me, um, which I don't mind if you're emailing me, I, I really don't. You can email me, but I'm going to direct you towards these resources because I'm not a professional healthcare provider. Same as I would do. But now we get to go into uh, Dr. Bill's <clears throat> dissertation. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about the big one. The big one as in because of Horizon 2059 uh, that just happened recently. Um, let's talk about mental health care in the aviation industry. Okay. And it, it, this is extremely important. This is going to be, I have a lot of facts that I'm going to be going through. Um, and it's extremely important that you all clear your mind. Okay. I, I want you guys to sit here and listen to the facts that I'm going to tell you first. Okay. Because what we're going to do is we're, I'm going to talk about notable mental health um incidents or accidents that have occurred uh, that have been proven as a primary source due to, for the incident accident, then I'm going to give you the cold, hard truth facts. Okay. I'm just, I did a ton of research this week leading up to this and I found the most per what I feel are the most pertinent facts that I could give to you directly from FAA.gov. Um, and then we're going to talk about the pathway back to the flight deck um, from AMAS. And then I'm also going to mention and talk about some resources that are available to pilots. And then after all of that, I will give you my opinion. And it's it's extremely important for you to listen to the facts first before my opinion. The reason is, is I've seen this all over TikTok, all over social media. There's people out there that are like, reform mental health care uh, from the FAA. But you never see the, but what, what would you, what, what would you reform? Right. Or there's a lot of like misconstrued things, for example, and I'll go over it here, that if you have ADHD or have taken medication for ADHD, it's a no go for for being a pilot. Right. That's not necessarily true. I will go over with that. So, like I said, just sit here, hang out with me for a second. I'm going to be spitting facts, literal facts that I have in front of me. Um, so that way you guys get the full, real, unaltered truth of what's fact and what's fiction. Um, and also one thing I also want to remind you too, just because, and I've seen a lot of TikTok accounts like this, some people just advocating for the reform, other people that unfortunately have been affected um, and lost their medical, um, I'm not discounting that. I don't want to be like minimize that because it sucks. As a professional pilot, you've spent upwards of $100,000 plus on your career and had to have it taken from you is upsetting. So I'm not trying to minimize that, but I want you to understand just because they're the loudest in the room and they speak the most eloquent doesn't meet their doesn't mean that they're right. So, first, let's talk about notable mental health incidents, accidents. So these are accidents that have occurred recently within the past, I would say decade or so that have either resulted in fatalities or an aircraft incident and the primary cause was due to uh, mental health, okay? So the first one we're going to talk about in chronological order going backwards is obviously Horizon 2059. We talked about today in the news segment. A Captain Emerson, or I'm just going to call him Emerson because he knows he's no longer a captain or pilot as a matter of fact. Um, while riding the flight deck jump seat, tried to disable the Imperial 170 and nearly killed 83 people. Uh, the main reason, and he even admitted it, is he had been having a depressive episode for the past six months. Okay. 
The next one is Dr. Christopher Willard. He's over in the United Kingdom in the February 2022. He died by crashing his own plane in the United Kingdom after learning that he had terminal cancer. He jumped in his airplane, flew out, crashed it, committed suicide by airplane. Um, Horizon Air-8, this was in August of 2018, out of SeaTac, where the mechanic or the uh, mechanic or ramp agent, I can't remember, the gentleman who was having a mental health crisis went on a aircraft unauthorized, took the aircraft out and did some unsafe maneuvers, ended up crashing safely, not safely, but crashing in an island. When I said safely, I mean he didn't harm anybody other than himself, but crashing the airplane uh, somewhere in Seattle, killing himself, okay? Uh, Jin Rong, or Zin Rong, I, I, I may have mispronounced that name. This was in the March of 2017. Uh, he was a flight student in uh, Michigan. He jumped out of his Cessna 172. He took off out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The plane crashed, and he was gone, and they found that the uh, that he had jumped out of the airplane to, com to take his own life um, and just let the airplane run out of fuel and crash. Um, before all this, the most notable one was German Wings 9525. That was in the March of 2015. The first officer of the Airbus um, locked the captain out during a restroom break and proceeded to fly the aircraft into the, into terrain. It was a controlled flight into terrain intentionally. Um, and during the investigation, they actually found that he had rehearsed it on the first leg but didn't go through it with the first leg of his day. It was the second leg, okay? Then the final one I want to mention is Mozambique Airlines 470. It was in the November of 2013. The captain locked the first officer out of the cockpit and crashed the plane. Now, there are more. If you keep going back in time, there are more incidents that sometimes are not concerned uh, are not concerned with mental health. And there's some. these were the actual confirmed that these this had to do with mental health as the primary reason that these occurred. Now, the reason I bring this out and want to mention it is that these are notable mental. A lot of people argue, well, you know, the FA needs to be a little bit lighter on uh, mental health and so on and so forth. Um, there's there's no data to support that it would cause you know incidents. But we have at least what is that? A, uh, let's see if I can do math real quick. Six, at least six notable incidents in the past decade where mental health or a mental health crisis has been the primary cause of loss of life. Okay, so. In terms of status quo, my my uh, speech and debate uh, people out there, let's take me back to my speech and debate day. Status quo or a reason why it's important, this is why it's important. This is why it's important to talk about the FAA mental health, okay? So now, the FAA facts. This is from FAA.gov, okay? This is direct quotations. So aviation medical examiners are trained to determine the pilot's mental health and fitness to fly. Before this medical exam, pilots are required to report any health professional visits during the previous three years. I always do this. It's whether it was my upper respiratory infection, my optometrist. Um, I list everything, right? I put everything on there. Um, all medications being taken and other medical history on their medical application. This form includes questions about mental health. Uh, during this examination, pilots must disclose all existing physical and psychological conditions and medications. Based on the answers on the form and the examination, an aeromedical examiner may ask further questions about mental health conditions or symptoms. The AME or aeromedical examiner can request additional psychological testing or defer the application to the Office of Aerospace Medicine if he or she is concerned that further evaluation is necessary. So basically, and I mind you, aviation physicals take anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, right? But what's important is we have to self-disclose. A lot, a lot of the system relies on pilots self-disclosing this, right? That we've, we're having mental health issues. 
Now, let's get into the disqualifying, disqualifying psychiatric conditions. Because believe it or not, there are some that, like ADD, for example, people think, or ADHD, that it's an immediate, immediate, like, done. Like, we're not, I'm not getting a pie certificate. And that's actually not true. So what I have right here in front of me, and I'm going to read to you, are the list of disorders and psychiatric conditions that the FA warrants either a deferral or a denial of a medical certificate. Now, the ones, and I will emphasize which ones, there's some here that are an immediate denial or deferral. Notice there isn't a immediate denial. It's denial or deferral. So either denial or deferral, there's, there's all sorts of uh, like conditional things. So the first thing is adjustment disorders. So adjustment disorders are excessive reactions to stress that involve negative thoughts, strong emotions, and changes in behavior. Adjustment disorders is listed on the FAA website as some, or uh, the aeromedical website, as a psychiatric condition that warrants, an, uh, or must is the word that they use, must be a denial or deferral, okay? It's not just a denial. They could defer it to the FAA. If they defer it to the FAA, more data and evaluation uh, is needed to make sure that they're stable with no associated disturbance of thought, no recurrent episodes, and psychotropic uh, medications used less for the six months and continued for at least three months uh, issue or FAA decision making. So basically what that's saying is um, if someone walks in and they have this as an adjustment disorder on their on their medical history, um, there's going to be more data. They got to make sure you're stable, make sure that there's no associated disturbance of thoughts. So you haven't had any disturbing thoughts, like flying an airplane into a side of a mountain, no recurring episodes. So nothing has happened since, and there's no psychotropic medications used less for than six months. So you didn't use it more than six months and discontinued, discontinued for at least three months prior to make sure that you're stable off the medication. Um, and then that gives them the option to issue, or if it's up to the AME, they could defer it to the FAA for decision-making. Um, for ADD, ADHD, right? This is the biggest common misconception. I always get this question all the time. It is not a must-defer or um, must-defer or must-deny. It's actually its own little separate category. So if you have ADD or ADHD, there is a aeromedical disposition table. So they go to a separate table. It's a worksheet that they are going to work through to make sure to get to the point whether or not they can issue or not. And there are some instances where they can issue without any other uh, issue. The main problem, not the problem, but the reason this exists is because the medication used to treat ADHD and ADD is a narcotic. Adderall is a narcotic, okay? Um, and growing up, my twin brother had ADD, uh, took Adderall, and I've witnessed firsthand kind of the behaviors and the personality, the, the mood swing and stuff like that. So that's also another thing that they're looking at. But there is a table specific for the ADD, ADHD that they will work through with your AME. I've heard so many people say, oh, I'm not going to tell, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell them I'm ADHD because I'm going to lose my medical. That's not true. They're just going to have to work through that worksheet to make sure that you're not still dependent on a narcotic, aka Adderall, in order to be able to, to safely operate an airtime. Okay. Now, next one is bipolar disorder. So bipolar disorder is rapid, not rapid, but uh, changes in moods, right? From really low to really high and back and forth. It doesn't happen. A lot of people associate this with uh, the, um, was it the disassociative, disassociative identity disorder? Not the same thing. Um, it's just you have really highs, you have really lows, really highs, really lows. This one is categorized under the must deny or defer. It requires, generally speaking, requires an FA decision. Once again, that's just, it's looking at a history, uh, what type of medication you're on, if you're stable, etc. 
Um, the next one is bereavement or dysthymic. Um, same, it's basically as the same thing as an adjustment. Uh, I'm sorry, bereavement or dysthymic. So bereavement is someone is having more difficulty recovering from the loss of someone, which is understandable. I mean, I can only imagine, right? And it hits, it, it, it does affect us differently. So bereavement is one of those, um, or dysthymic, which is kind of the same thing. Uh, it's a dysthymic is a long-term depression is what dysthymic is, but this doesn't fall under must deny or must, um, do a deferral. It's just, it's, it's under the same kind of, uh, qualifications as adjustment disorder, just that there's more data and evaluation, make sure that you're stable, no associated disturbance of thought, no recurrent episodes, no psychiatric medications used for less than six months and discontinued, discontinued for at least three months issue or, uh, FAA decision-making. Okay. Depression requiring the use of antidepressant medications requires an FAA decision. Personality disorders requires what's one of the ones that must defer um, or must deny. It does require an FA decision. Psychotropic medications for smoking cessation. Uh, in other words, you're using medications to stop smoking. If meds are discontinued for at least 30 days without side effects, that's an issue. Otherwise, requires an FAA decision. Substance abuse requires it's a must deny, must def or, or defer, requires FAA decision. Substance dependence is also a must uh, deny or defer, and a suicide attempt is also a must, uh, I'm sorry, a must deny or, um, or FAA decision or defer it to the FAA. So those are listed. Those are the psycho psychiatric conditions that the FAA lists for you to, if you have any of those, could be disqualified. Okay. And like I said, the biggest one I always hear is ADD. It's not on there. It's just, it's its own separate worksheet because they got to make sure uh, they got to work through that worksheet to make sure they can issue a, um, a medical. So it's, it's hard. Um, there's a lot of stuff on there and I just want people to understand too, that these things listed on here, while it's hard to hear, the reason that they're on here is for a reason. There's a reason why these things may cause an issue of safety in the flight deck or in a commercial airline or, you know, there, because there's like, for example, um, I believe for German wings, 95, 25, he had been, uh, had dysthymic, uh, issues. So long-term depression, um, the, uh, pilot, um, of, or the horizon 2059 Emerson, I'm not a professional social worker or have a psychology degree, but if I would, based off what he was saying and about the loss of a friend, I would say he was probably either dysthymic or have a bereavement issue uh, because he was mourning the loss of a friend of his is what I've understood from the articles I was reading. Um, so you can see where these are psychiatric conditions that may cause an issue with safety in the flight deck. It's not like someone woke up this morning and says, oh, I'm totally against mental health. And I'm just going to throw these on here to try to disqualify the people because I don't like these specific people. It's not, that's not what it is. It's just, these have been identified as possible psychiatric conditions that could jeopardize the, um, the safety of operations. Okay. Now let's talk about the pathway back to the flight deck. This is from aviation medicine advisory service or AMAS. It's aviationmedicine.com. They're a free source a resource for pilots who are undergoing a loss of medical, whether it be like for physical, like heart conditions or some physical condition or mental health. Um, 
These are direct quotes. So for the pilot and controller, crossing the threshold of using medications for psychiatric purposes disqualifies them for flying activities as long as they are on the medication and or until they are cleared by the FAA to return to flying or controlling. This includes usage of the medication for conditions other than depression. Clearance depends on documented resolution of the condition and freedom from symptoms that may affect flying safely during at least a two-month observation period off the medications. Current FAA policy also allows the use of certain antidepressant for pilots and air traffic controllers in a very specific circumstances. In addition to the required waiting period for stabilization, which is six months, it used to be a year, but in 2014, they reduced it to six months. The FAA requires cognitive testing and oversight by a psychiatrist. This program requires a specifically trained aeromedical examiner to serve as the individual medical sponsor or IMS for specific requirements and assistance, contact an AMAS physician. The FAA will consider certification of pilots and controllers who have been diagnosed with depression or anxiety and treated with medication after certain conditions are met. Under the FAA longstanding policy referred to as SSRI, which is selective serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, so it's, it's antidepressants, uh, pathway one, an airman or controller must be off medications and remain without significant depressive symptoms for at least 60 days before consideration of a wa waiver. Pathway 1 applies for single episodes of mild depression that are in remission. For those who have recurrent depression or anxiety, the FAA requires ongoing treatment with a single allowed SSRI medication, which includes the only Lex, uh, Lexapro, Zoloft, Zalex, uh, Celexa, Prozac, and a sustained extended release Wilbutrin are all currently eligible under that pathway and pathway 2. For SSRI pathway 2, uh, the individual needs to be on monotherapy with one of the allowed medications at a steady dosage for at least six months before the FAA will consider a waiver. SSRI Pathway 2 requires an FAA specially, or specially trained AME to conduct or to monitor the individual with psychiatrist updates twice yearly and cognitive testing. The review process may take several months. Uh, pilots and controllers seeking... Okay, this is important. All right, I've heard this a lot. This is stuff that you don't have to report on your medical, okay? So pilots and controllers seeking counseling for marital or family problems who are functioning well but seeking to improve their situation have no obligation to report that counseling to the FAA. Counseling by clergy or even your personal physician is not reportable if there is no personal psychiatric diagnosis, no alcohol or substance abuse, and no treatment with medications. Visits to the employee assistance program, which I'll go into in a little bit, for conditions described above are also not reportable. I've heard this before from other pilots saying I, I can't even go get marital counseling without risking my medical. Not true. That's one of the things you can. So like I said, these are all facts directly from AMAS, which is a pilot-friendly um, organization that offers free resources to pilots who are trying to get their medical back, whether it's for a physical or a mental health issue. Um, I wanted to uh, – the reason why I read so much is I wanted you to understand what the actual time – frame is for a lot of these things and a lot of people are like oh you can't take antidepressants that's not true it's on here like they they, they spell it out um so the resources available to pilots include amas which is who i just read from the aviation medicine advisory service their website is aviationmedicine.com so if you're a pilot undergoing either a mental health uh crisis or issue um or you've already lost your medical whether it's for physical or mental definitely reach out to amas they have a lot of good resources available to you 
Um, if you're at the airline, there's a lot of union peer support programs where you can reach out to trained individuals that are a part of the pilot group and you can talk to them, which is a confidential way of counseling. Or there's also employee assistance programs. I've had that both at Envoy and at uh, United. Both of them offer that. And that's kind of the same thing. It's a it's someone to go talk to um, confidentially about maybe some of the problems that you're having, uh, so on and so forth. And none of those are reportable under the FAA. So now let me offer my opinion, okay? Because I've been, I've been in the airline industry for nearly seven years. Uh, I've been flying for 14 years, of, so about half my life. Uh, my opinion, once again, first and foremost... Mental health is extremely important. You are a human being. You're a father. Uh, you're a brother. You're a son. You're a cousin, uncle first before you're a pilot. So if you are having a mental health crisis, take care. Be selfish. This is the one time I can tell you to, to, to be a good human being and be selfish. Go get yourself help. Okay? Your mental health is more important than the paycheck that you make. I know it does it. That sounds backwards. But mental health is extremely important. So take care of yourself. Once again, losing your aviation medical is a pious worst nightmare. I completely understand that. This is not to, this, my opinion is not to discount um, or lessen the impact that it has on a pilot because it is very frustrating and upsetting. So here's my viewpoint um, professional pilots have the ability to determine that they are unsafe uh, and pull themselves from the flight deck. Uh, we are taught the I am safe checklist from day one of flight training. So I'm safe is a general aviation checklist, illness, medication, uh, sleep, alcohol, fatigue, and emotions, right? If any one of those things are not up to par, personal minimums or not, you pull yourself from the flight deck because you're not safe to fly. It's the same thing when you're flying for an airline. If you don't meet one of those criterias, get yourself off the flight deck, period, right? Because you're talking about the safety of your, you, your crew, and 200 plus people behind you. This is where it gets kind of controversial. A lot of people are out there screaming, reform the FAA, it's archaic. One thing we got to understand is that the FAA is charged with the safety of our skies and passengers first and foremost, right? The reason I mentioned those notable aircraft incidents and accidents previously is because to make you aware that this is a huge topic and the FAA is the one charged, at least in the United States, with making sure that this doesn't happen, okay? Because all these pilots that have, you know, um, have committed suicide by airplane and killed passengers along with them, they have all had medicals. In my opinion, uh, personally, honestly, for me, there's no excuse in not seeking appropriate help with a mental health crisis. Um, there's resources out there available, just the ones I men um, mentioned. Um, but to, to continue working in a safety-sensitive job while knowing that you're not safe to work is unacceptable, in my opinion. So, like I said, if you're if you're like, I'm not safe to fly, go get help. Um, lying or not disclosing potentially threatening mental health issues versus trying to seek out appropriate health care and work with the FAA to gain clearance to fly is an excuse and not acceptable. Um, the reason I say that is there are some cases that I've seen, whether it be social media, I've heard them in real life, because um, I do know people that have lost their, their physical, whether it was from mental or physical issues. Um Sometimes it's because they try to not disclose that information on the form like they were supposed to in the first place and rather just tell the FAA and try to work with them ahead of time. They chose to not disclose it, and in some form or another, the FAA or the examiner was able to find out that they did have a disqualifying mental uh, or psychiatric condition, didn't disclose it, 
And so that entire time they were flying with the medical that should have probably should have at least been deferred to the FAA. But then they're upset at the end of that because now it's the FAA against them and, you know, it's archaic. Well, no, it's because you didn't fully disclose your psychiatric uh, condition like you were supposed to. So don't lie. It's always best to be forward with what's going on. So um, just remember, not only do your passengers rely on you being safe, but your family and your flight crew and their families as well also rely on you to make a sound safety decision in regards to your mental health while on duty. So once again, I can't emphasize this enough. It's okay to not be okay. If you're a pilot struggling, remember AMAS, Union Peer Support Systems, and Employee Assistance Programs. If you if you feel like you're going to be a danger to yourself or possibly others, remove yourself from the flight deck and seek help. At no point should you ever lie or not disclose to the FAA because you're trying to avoid losing your medical. Like I said, this is the time to be selfish. Think about you, right? You're more important. The world's a better place when you're in it, not your paycheck. So do us a favor and just go get the help that you need. That is my dissertation on... Um, on pilot mental health, Tommy. That's actually very informative. I was trying to, like I said, this wasn't going to be more of a discussion. It was going to be more of a, I need to talk to you guys about this because, and Tommy, and I've talked to it, uh, talked about it off social media. Like we text each other. Um, this is, I knew eventually that this podcast was going to have to talk about this. It's just, it's not one of those. It's my opinion is my opinion. Um, but when Horizon 2059 happened, I, I was telling them and texting Justin in the in our little group chat. I was like, we, we have to do this now. Like, we have to talk about it. So if I was going to talk about it, especially because in my industry, it is controversial. Um, because you have the people like me who say, you know what, go get help. Like, why don't lie to the FAA? Put it on your thing. If they say you need help and you really want it bad, like you want to be a pilot, do it. Like it's, it's for your, it's for your benefit. Now, the one thing I, I will say, in my opinion, the one thing that I do think the FAA needs to reform in terms of their mental health care process is the time to get back to the flight deck. Um, right now, the processing time is ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. It's like a year to even get started with that process. And the problem with that is, is there is you're, you're losing technically you're losing money at that point because you're not working you're out of work you're in a very specialized career and now you're waiting on them to process the entire the entirety of your application and your appeal if, if you will or deferral for a year before they even get started so if there's something that i will say that needs to be reformed it's the time to get back to the flight deck because i don't feel personally that the fa is doing enough to prioritize that i also don't have the statistics on the number of people that are losing their medicals due to those sort of ideas or so due to psychiatric conditions or physical conditions. Um, but it also seems like it's consistent with everybody that's ever lost a medical. It takes a long time to get it back. And I don't think it should take that long to get it back. It's hard for me to say, cause I know there's pilots out there that are gonna be like, Oh wow, he's totally on the FA side. I'm not, I'm really not. It's just, I wanted to give you all facts. It's, it's, I'm very even keel when it comes to stuff like this, this talk show, and I've told Tommy and Justin, they're going to kill me one of these days because we have a little podcast document um, that we fill out every week. And the reason I want it filled out is like our news. We're not just throwing news off our head. 
I request we all request that we put articles in there because I like to go through and read to see what Tommy's going to talk about. He likes to go through and read what I'm going to talk about. But it also keeps us honest to make sure that we're presenting proper information. And I think that is the largest problem with this whole reform the FAA is there are people out there that are loud, that they speak very eloquently and are very well-spoken, and people just immediately follow. And it just remember to fact check. Always fact check before you get up in arms about something. I'm sorry, guys. I talked to your guys' ears off. We're coming up on our longest talk show yet. Uh, we're currently at an hour and 45 minutes, probably closer to an hour and 40. But uh, I just want to thank you all once again for joining us on the episode number five, The Gray Matter with the Tark and Thrust talk show. Um, huge topic that I've always wanted to talk about, and I think we've covered decently today, wouldn't you say, Tommy? Yes. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking something about a little more lighthearted for episode number six. Um, the topic of discussion for episode number six next week is going to be uh, to jingle or not to jingle. You guys can guess what that's going to be about. But that's going to be a week from today. It's going to be on Wednesday uh, the 8th at 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I, on behalf of the Torque and Thrust talk show, I am Bill. I am Tommy. And we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you.